Yes, hello and welcome along to another edition of the Left Wing Back Podcast. And it's my time in the Gansey with me, Kevin Regan. We're on to season two, episode two, and it is, of course, all in association with uh, orthodontics at Carla Dental Centre, whose specialist orthodontists will deliver a personalised treatment plan to create the smile you deserve. Choose from fixed braces or Invisalign with easy, affordable payment plans to suit you. You can contact the reception team on 059-9188188 and they look after you not just your teeth. Okay, so a very special episode again this week, and uh, just to say thanks to everyone who got in touch regards our last episode with Johnny Nevin, which obviously went down very, very well. Thanks to everyone who got in touch, and thanks to everyone who subscribed on YouTube. I don't forget you can do so for free, and also on Apple Podcasts, and you'll get us there on Spotify as well. you get us all across social media platforms. Uh, this week, we're off to uh, Sam Fortunes, and when you think of Sam Fortunes, obviously there's many standout players, but no more so than Neve Dobbs, a real great for not just club but county, and played with the province for a long time as well. So it's a pleasure to welcome Neve onto the Left Wing Back podcast and the My Time in the Gansey series. Uh, good to have you on, Neve. How's things? Hi, hi, Kevin. How are you? Not too bad. You're uh, the first lady we featured in the My Time in the Gansey series, and uh, no better place to start. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so. We, we were a little bit apprehensive about coming on. We're here now, and it's just a chat between two people. So this is what the podcast is all about. It's a bit of crack. And, um, you know, we, we embrace the informality of the whole thing. So uh, first of all, how's things been with you over the past year? It's been a testing time for everyone. And um, for a person who is just so heavily involved in football and has been all her life, I'm sure you're missing it hugely like all of us. Yeah, um, we didn't realise. I knew football and GA was a big part of our lives. Uh, but I didn't realise how big. Uh, even with the children, I was running from pitch to pitch with the girls, not alone trying to hit our own club matches and county matches. And then their interest in leash football was bringing me to Port Leash as well. So we've had time to reflect, let's say. But in other ways, you can look at positives. Like this time, I'm now not running around after the children, so I'm able to help out the county board this year. I went back and got involved with the county board because we had the time, we were able to do it over Zoom, so we don't have to leave the house. So it's some benefits, like. Yeah, it hasn't all been negative. I mean, there is that time to, ch- to recharge the batteries and to assess things. And if anything, I suppose, it might be a little bit of a learning curve when we do go back into the mayhem in a few weeks' time. Yeah, well, everybody had to take a step back. You know, we hadn't... It was rushing around with me coming home from work, running to see what training session, what pitch... The girls, I have three little girls, Katie, Lucy and Molly, heavily involved. Both were playing boys' code and girls' code football. Um, now I've two gone out of the boys' code and only one girl left in it, so it cuts down the fixtures a little bit. But it was a rat race, you know, running from one pitch to the other. I had to work at home for a month and a half, which gave me a chance to, at home as well, which I'm not cut out for, might I add. Uh, homeschooling <laughs> didn't suit me. Um, but we just got to spend time with the children. I suppose we look at the positives. You know, we got extra time together and we got to reflect about what's important and who's important in your life, which is probably not a bad thing. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. So from your point of view, then, let's take it all the way back. And um, the early days out in the Dobbs family home, like you say, football was always the thing for you. And uh, just talk us through a bit about your, your family background. A lot of people will know already, but just maybe talk to us about that and what it was like growing up out there. Uh, well, we would have grown up in, just outside Fenna uh, in Ballywilliam Row and Ballycaderney, and we moved up to Ballywilliam Row. Uh, I would have 
loved football. National school, I would have played football the whole time in national school. It was probably my first introduction to it. Um, and as a girl, people were a bit apprehensive about letting you onto the field because it just wasn't a done thing at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I was the only girl playing with our school. And I went on, we won uh, rural schools in 1983. We got to the final of the rural schools against the old Auckland club. And we went on and we won that title. But I remember going to the pitch and the school teacher, Liam Nolan at the time, who was very encouraging for me to play football. Like, uh, it was kind of everybody into dressing room and then, oh, Neve, we're just going to ask you now to stay out here for a while. And I was like, okay, like, now I was 12, 13 years of age at the time. You know, you were kind of like, what's the problem? <laughs> we didn't see a problem, like, but he, a man of his age, probably and back in that age, he was very good with me because he pushed me on to play football. He obviously seen I had natural ability, I think, and he encouraged it, which was amazing for a teacher back then. It sure was. And in those early days, it was tough and it was kind of rare. Participation levels were nowhere near as plentiful as, as they are now. Our numbers aren't near as plentiful as they are now, I should say. And... Um, for you, like, while it was great to be made involved in the whole thing, it still came at a bit of a price because you felt you had to blend in a little bit. And correct me if I'm wrong, what you were saying, you had to cut your hair and everything that, you know, was that a personal well, choice or what was the story? Well, it was a personal choice because I didn't want to be the girl on the team. So I wanted my hair cut short. So um, I, look, I cut my hair short. I was a tomboy growing up. It didn't affect me, like... I wasn't like a, a stand where I have to look like a boy. I just blended in with the boys. The boys called me Dobbs on the field, Dobbsy. And when a boy had come over and noticed that you were a girl, they were kind of a bit embarrassed to be marking a girl. I think that would be a better word to put it. Uh, more so than didn't want to mark a girl. They were kind of a bit embarrassed, like, oh, my God, there's a girl beside me. Like, you know, because it just wasn't done back then. Like, when we played that final against O'Loughlin, there was another girl on the field for O'Loughlin, Helen Quirk. And like, I was amazed that there was another girl playing football. Mm. I was like, oh my God, there's another girl on the field. Like, So it just, back then, it just wasn't a thing in Ireland. Well, in Carlow, I'd say, because it had grown, started to grow all over Ireland at the time. But in Carlow, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah, so like from the psychological side of it, I suppose, the lad's point of view, he's probably afraid because, um, you know, not just because you're very talented and always have been, but... He's like, geez, if I if I hurt her, or even worse, I suppose, if I get clean by her, like it's it's kind of an awkward one, I suppose, when a lad was coming over to Marky, like. <laughs> well, look, if if a boy gets roasted by a girl, still there's always the slagging, and I see with my girls, they've all came through playing boys' code and girls' code, and it's still if a girl gives a boy a roast, and like you see the lads giving the nudge, nudge, at the boy kind of ha ha, there's a girl roasting you. That's going to be always there, I'd say. Do you know what I mean? But I got opportunities and I was afforded them without any effort to play football. And I'm so appreciative of it, like, going forward. Yeah. And that's, was that kind of the few opportunities that you did have to play at that age? Because I'm sure in terms of girls' teams, from an underage point of view, there wasn't a whole lot of them, I would reckon, at that point. Oh, I had no football. I had no football only in school. So it was only whatever football I got in school was the only football that I got. And then when I left Newtown, I went to the vocational school and we had no football either. We had no sport um, for the girls unless you wanted to go play basketball, I think. 
but there was no football there either. So I kind of played football around at home and we live just outside Fenna, as I'm saying, but we're at the top of a lane and down the bottom of our lane lived the Murphys and Mike Murphy, which would be known, better known as the Bogman around Carlo, uh, lived down the bottom of the lane and I used to go down and, and hop balls off of Mike and he used to hop balls back off of me. And this was my interaction with football for years. like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, out, out there, obviously... You had a brother as well who I don't think had a huge pile of interest uh, in going to matches or playing or whatever, and you were mad to go, and it wasn't often the case that you were abroad because of that. <laughs> well, years ago, you see, the boys went with the daddies to matches and stuff. Now, Thomas had no interest in GAA. Now, he was into badminton and different stuff like cycling, but he had no interest in the GAA. And my dad was a big GAA man. Uh, he would be in Crook Park every Sunday during the summer when the matches would be going, regardless of who'd be playing and regardless of the code, football or hurling, daddy would go to Crook Park or he'd be in Dr. Cullen Park. He was a big GA man. And then to have this girl coming up wanting to play football, <laughs> you know, his little girls, like, uh, I'd say he found it a bit strange in the beginning, you know, to come around to it. But he did, he did, like, and he embraced it. But I'd say in the beginning, it just wasn't the thing to do, you know, but in saying that, I was fully encouraged at home. I had no bigger fan than my mother. She travelled a length and breadth of the country to watch us play football and dad in fairness too. Yeah, Maureen would miss a whole lot in fairness in terms no. of matches. Like, and, no. um, so then more headaches because obviously Veronica and, and uh, Siobhan wanted to go to the matches as well. And she, of course, <laughs> Emma with, with your ma too. Like, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden your dad would have had a few more headaches because everyone was looking to go. And at the start, it was only Thomas looking like he was going to be the one broad. Like. Yeah, well, you see, we were all getting older because we had no football in those younger years. So it wasn't like we were young children because I had no football. So daddy go off to the match, he'd slide out the back door and be gone to the match. Do you know what I mean? But it was in older, when we got older then, and we really got involved and we were following the lads teams around the country and following our local Fennet club team to the matches and we'd go with dad to the games and stuff. And then we branched off. I went down to college in Cork and I didn't play any football down there because I was in a hotel course. So we were out on placement and in, and then I didn't really get to play any football till I came back to work in Carlo. Right. So that's bizarre, really. And it probably is a, more of a testament to how good you actually became, given the fact that you didn't have much exposure to it. But whatever exposure you did have, you obviously made a count and you honed in on your skills. Like, Yeah, well, I, do you know, we I love football. Always loved football. I'd always have a football with me. Do you know what I mean? Even if it was just out around the back garden, the girls and myself would be kicking around. We'd be down on pitches kicking around. Do you know what I mean? So, and we were lucky that we had one another at home to play. You know, you could go out and play a game of football in the backyard. Do you know that we weren't an only child? So we were blessed that way. And like, we weren't deprived. We were deprived of football and games, like for ladies at that age, everybody was. There was no competitions going for us and no training sessions. But I think if you have a love of football or a love of sports, it's going to come true regardless if someone nurtures it like and gives you a chance. And I was blessed anywhere that I actually went into football. I always met very positive people like. Did you have to play lads football up to under 16 then? Was that when you stopped? No, I would have played, well, I would have played up to national school and then I wasn't allowed to play anymore. When I came out of national school, it, it kind of changed a little then because more girls started to play. 
Yeah, and but no they one, were allowed under fourteen or anything. No, with the lads. No, team, no, allowed like no. That's it was mad, kind of it did change, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah. did change. It changed not too long after because mm-hmm. um, girls were playing then, like now the girls are playing up to then. See now, girls have to stop playing again at under twelves. They're not allowed to go forward in the men's court after that because right. they're just the physical strength and stuff to say changes like so. It hasn't changed too much, really. I know the club football did let the girls play for a while, and now it's changed back. Yeah, because I remember um, there's definitely a few girls I know played under 16. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> didn't look out of place, let me tell you. So it was good that that changed. But in around that time, like, only one club in Carlow? Well, Aerog used to... Now, I, this is before my time, like, in Carlow, but Aerog ladies used to have a club. I know they had a club years ago, but... When I started to play, Aero kind of nearly folded, and it was only Old Lachlan when I was back playing. Say, I went to college, and then when I came back up, I started working in the Royal Hotel, which was a blessing because it was kind of the hub sport in Carlow at the time. Mm-hmm. Our boss, John McDermott, was amazing man when it came to sport. He was just into Carlow football and anything to do with football in Carlow. He was very positive with it. But it was then... Uh, I was living in Great Cullen in an apartment with a friend of mine, Big Afni from Collection. Um, Collection had just started the team and she says to me, come on out and play for the laugh with us. And I was like, uh, with work and everything, just the way the hotel rosters were, shifts. I said, no. And she says, look, it's only for fun. And I said, right, sure, come on, we'll go for fun. And I got back out and got into it again. And then I just, I said, no, I just really want this in my life. Like, so at the time they were thrown around starting a club at home and I said, after I had played with Collection for, I think I messed around maybe for a year and then played, played with them for a year. And then I kind of said, look, we need to play football. So a club then formed in Fenna in around 1992. We started our club. We had a meeting in the Hunter's Rest, in the Snug in the Pub, (laughs) the hub of activity in Fenna. And we went and started the club between Ballinkillen and Fenna. So we decided then we had to get a name for it. And there's a well between Fenna and Ballankillen called St. Fortune's Well. It's in Caluctanon, if I'm pronouncing that properly. Uh, and we agreed that that would be it, the name for the club then. And we were blessed because we had two curry men working in our schools. Tom Hannafin was working up in Ballackinnan and Marge Brick had moved in to work in Newtown. So they were big in sport and big into girls and boys. So they were bringing through the girls the same as they were bringing through the boys, which produced a brilliant bunch of kids coming out uh, later on, uh, which was a big help for us for our feeder club. We had Newtown Ballackinnan was our juvenile club and Pat and Bridget O'Neill would have been caretakers of the club up there for years. And with the teachers, the help in schools, very important like because if teacher says the kids more than likely if teacher says you have to do something they do it and out to play football but it was very well promoted in our national schools um by the teachers so mm-hmm. it was a huge help to our club yeah. when we got up and going you were one of the catalysts in making that happen and um you won't take much credit for it here now but i know you were heavily involved in it and who else was kind of involved with you at that time in, in getting it up and going Right, but Paddy Foley was there from Ballinkillen as well, and uh, Michael O'Gorman was there. His daughter, Emer was an amazing footballer and had to give up football early in life with, I, I think it was Shane Spence she bought it from. Martin Murray had agreed to train us, which was great. We had a trainer. 
And uh, then there was myself, Siobhan, Mary Farrell, her sister. There was a crew of us together. And from there, we just kind of started. The club started training, called training sessions. And as I said, you build it and they will come. <laughs> so young Martin Murray is called Granny. Is he, is old Martin great Granny then? Or how, what's the story? Where did that come from? <laughs> no, Granny is Granny. And that would be young Martin. And Martin is just Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not a generational thing. No, even no, no. <laughs> junior and senior and granny all in the one. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. And fair play to you on pronouncing Clutteron there. It's, I think, one of the hardest names to pronounce in the whole of, uh, in the whole of Carlo and a tricky place to play soccer in when they had a team there as well for a while. <laughs> so that's how it got up and running. So, you know, all of a sudden then you had a kind of um, a foundation and you had, you know, a club for people to go play with like you didn't have to be searching as you did across the border which was crazy to think about um one club and then only a couple of clubs in the 90s it's crazy really considering you know how strong it did become in around the time with the county i suppose in the mid 90s and heading up towards the turn of the millennium yeah look carlo always boxed above their weight like all Auckland girls they were the dominant force back then when i came back into carlo they were the team, like they, they went out in the club championships in 1994 against a Wicklow team and they got beaten in it. And I think they got to the semi final again in 1995 and got beaten again in it. But a club started then in Carla Town, the Blues. So Hands would have started up a club, which was great then because it was taken in the town girls. And there was a few of the town girls out playing, I think, out in Old Auckland at the time because it was the only place to play football. So they got back a few county girls at the time, girls of county standard and stuff, and they built a team around it. And they then started to become prominent in Carlo. Then they kind of took over. At that time, then we had started and uh, we won a junior championship five years after starting in 1997. And from there, we built up. um, In 2002, we won our first senior uh, 11 aside championship and um, everything took off from us there but the blues would have been prominent f- before us and they too got to leinster semi-final in 2000 and in 2000 and then in i think 2001 then they got to the final as well and were beaten by sarsfields of Kildare uh, or sarsfields elite they got beaten by in that but like all carter clubs produce footballers that are well capable of playing in club championships and, and doing really well, like. Yeah, and that's the kind of a thing that's, um, I wouldn't say unknown, but not as well known because, like, and I'm referring to the Blues when I say that, because the lads obviously won their Leinster, but yeah. it's not really documented that much that the, the, the girls actually got to a Leinster final as well in around literally that same year or two, like. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's the same, like, the old Auckland girls have got to two Leinster semi-finals, and... And like then we came along and we were blessed then we came out 2003 then we came out and won back-to-back seniors till 2009 and we had senior championship senior league senior 11 asides uh our I, we didn't realize at the time we really overachieved for a bunch of girls young girls but like mm-hmm. our team was very young there were 16 17 there were the girls that would have came from Marsh brick tom hannafin all the effort that they would have put in, that was the crew that was hitting our club at the time. And like we got to our first Leinster final in to 2004. And um, 
we lost out by two points to Sarsfields in Kildare, which was a killer because we were really going really well and had worked so hard. Um, I remember Jenny Nevin from Lachlan was playing with Sarsfields and Jenny was playing wing half forward from a, for them on the day and she ended up getting player of the match. And I remember coming out going, oh my God, a car, a girl, but... <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it was just a Noel Early, Dermot Early's daughter. Noel was actually playing centre forward that day. She would have been prominent on the Kildare team at the time. Mm-hmm. So you ended up, you know, you're known as a, um, a rampant scorer for Carlo and for a club. Uh, you were full back that time. Yes. Well, when Fortune started, I was kind of the only county player at the time in with Fortunes. And the busiest end of our field when we started was down at the goal mount. <laughs> it was very lonely up in the forward line because there was no ball coming up that end of the field. Uh, we would have taken horrendous beatings for the first number of years. And then when we started, when the younger girls started to come through and we got the talents, um, I was kind of put in front of the goal to make sure keep my sister safe behind me. Siobhan was in the goal at the time. And Christy the trainer used to say, nothing goes in near Siobhan. And we used to be going, Siobhan is very protected. Like. But uh, then as corner, years as the years went on, the girls grew stronger and we would have moved up. But I would have won my first county championship at fullback for the club and was quite comfortable there, actually, surprisingly. I, I wouldn't have thought I would have been, but I didn't really mind being fullback. Um, I suppose it's just the opposite end of the field. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the little tricks of the trade that you yeah. used as a forward and maybe the bit of hearts you were getting when you stood to you when you went back there yourself. like. Yeah, and like we had such a good young bunch around us uh, at the time. We had great forwards in fortunes, like prolific scorers, Kelly Dalton, amazing. Uh, you had Teresa Meany and you had Eilish Meany and like our forward line was really good that like you were well capable of winning matches in the forward line they were great cards but we went on then after losing that match losing that Leinster final uh, we went back and we got stuck back in again and we went on and we we won the Leinster final in 2007 we played each town of Kildare and we won that match by two points and it was like winning an All-Ireland toss. It was massive uh, time. The whole of the village was out. Everybody was up in Cretty Yard. It yeah. was amazing. I think winning with your club, the first senior championship I won, I think was the one standout moment in my career uh, because it was with family. I had three sisters on the team. I had cousins on the team. It was everybody that we grew up with. You were in your local village. It was your home patch. And it was just pride. It was amazing to bring home senior championship. And to bring home an intermediate club championship was on phenomenal. Stuff of dreams. And I think the semi-final yeah. could have been played in Cret Yard as well against the yeah. Uh, Rail Yard, yeah? Rail Yard, we did. Yeah, we yeah. played Rail Yard. Would have been a, local, a localish enough derby, not just for the county proximity, but the club wouldn't have been a million miles away either, like... No, and I really are like a very strong team. We we it took us it's the last few minutes to win that game. Uh, that game could have went either way. It was touch and go the whole way through. I remember Mairead Hogan. I think got two goals that day against Railyard. She was had a cracking game that day. But we were touch and go. Railyard were well matched to us. The girls were tough girls, and I think they would have felt a little hard done by coming out of that game. 
we were delighted. Of course, we were heading for another Leinster final. Mm. And it's, even though it's great to get to Leinster finals, it's amazing to win one. Yeah. And uh, that Leinster final win set up home advantage, I think, for that all-earned semi-final out in Fenna, which I remember was, geez, the crowds were unnatural at that. Like, it was, it yeah. was a massive day, in fairness. It was a huge day. We, the, the whole village got behind us. And, like, poor Austin Kinchler was up doing the pitch and flags and goalposts, and the lads were doing car park, and which was great to see. Like, it was a complete flip. Do you know, the boys were all, the men's team were all in doing the car parking and looking after us. And it just felt like a whole community effort. But then their sisters were all playing and their neighbours and their schoolmates that they all grew up with. So it was it was lovely to have it at home too. Now, I know we, we got beaten in it, but it was lovely to have the game at home. And it was just so nice. And what do you remember from the game itself? Because my standout memory is the centre forward for the opposition pulling the strings. She was an incredible footballer. Oh, I don't know what her name her name yeah, you probably was, have. No, she was unreal. They roasted. They roasted us. They roasted. I have to say, I think we won the Leinster final, and I think we had set out an objective at the beginning of the year to come out of Carlo. And when we came out of Carlo, then we said, okay, this is it. We're pushing on now for Leinster. And there were big hopes. Like when you have a Carlo team coming out and saying a junior county team coming out to go against intermediate and senior counties where you're meeting the girls from. Some of them would have been playing senior football and intermediate football. like. And um, I think when we won our Leinster final, I think everybody was so happy for winning the Leinster final that the next round was kind of coming up and we were still happy mode after winning our Leinster final. Um, the club championship was always, I remember we were getting ready. I was getting married that year, 2007. And I actually broke my wrist in that game. And I had warned, I remember I said to Brian, because he played football, my husband, and I, I kind of said to Brian, now, you're not to come up the aisle with a broken arm or a broken leg or a black eye. And, and here you said then, to him. <laughs> and then we end up getting married and I was in plaster Paris. No way. <laughs> Cause I, yeah, because I broke my wrist in the club championships. <laughs> it's, it's an awful picture. We don't have a picture that's somewhere just for... <laughs> Just, just for reference, like yeah, um, I'd imagine there was um, a tidy conversation or two over that now somehow, or, another, or, or did you yeah, just have well, a laugh about it? Well, you see, it, it was terribly unfortunate because the cast was due to come off the week before the wedding, and I went down to Waterford. My poor mother, she said she was traumatized. We went down to Waterford to get the cast taken off, and when I went down to cat, went in, and the doctor said to me to send you for X-ray just to be sure, and I said no problem. Came back out from X-ray anyway, went in and. They were all very quiet in the room, and I was kind of going, what's the problem? Like, And he said, we're going to have to re-break and set your arm. And I looked at him, and I said, no, 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 I'm getting married next week. I said, you can't do this to me. And he said, I'm sorry. And they rescheduled me for the next day to get my arm rebroken and reset. And I remember coming out to the weight room, and if anybody knows Waterford Hospital, especially where the plaster and all that goes on, the place was packed. Uh, I just came out, and I seen my mummy, and I just went, I'm getting married next week and they're re-breaking and setting my arm and you could see everybody in the place going, oh my God. I was just overwhelmed. Like I was like going, this mm. is terrible. <laughs> but then, you know, they reset it and it was a running joke then. Everybody like, Neve is getting married in Place de Paris. And it was kind of fitting. I, I would never have got injured in football. And of course, Murphy's Law. The week before my wedding to get the arm re-broken, reset, like. We couldn't go on the honeymoon, so Brian, Brian always has that one on me. Jenny, and uh, take the plaster of Paris was white, yeah? 
Well, it, it was great because he actually agreed to redo the Plaster Paris the, the day before the wedding for me. So they said to come back down and they re-put another coat on it to keep it clean, like. So I said, yeah, but it was, it was white as well, so I need to him with dress. Yes, 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 yes. It was well hid with flowers, I have to say, on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, geez, that's that's mad. I didn't know that at all. Like, that's, that's crazy stuff, really. Um, So, yeah, you did a good job hiding it. And even, there must have been such a, a what do you call it? An inconvenience though on the day as well because there's so much stuff to get through like when you think of a wedding day <laughs> and it's supposed to, I'm supposed to get married in a few months time as well so um it's all it's all ahead of me I know the headaches and in fairness now she's looking after most of them but <laughs> I have a few myself to, to sort out and I don't know if there's any more depending on all that Lazard and Eve but like that's that's tough going I don't know how you actually did you consider probably a stupid question did you consider actually moving it and he's dead uh, moving the wedding well yeah. you see we had we had put our wedding around football because we said we get married in October. So we were kind of saying, well, if we get to, if we get to do well in the clubs, we'll have a Leinster final. If we get to it, that'll be over. And you're kind of between county season and club season. So our wedding was planned around football. You know, so there was no chance of moving it. Yeah. It was just going ahead and that was it. But look, it was a broken arm. You, you get over it. It was my wrist, but it was a big laugh because Father Foley then, Brian went to put the ring on my finger and sure it was the hand that was broken and it wouldn't fit on it. And we just, we just giggled the whole way through it. So yeah. we did, and I, we had to put it on the opposite hand and we just, we just laughed the whole way through the sermon saw, because it, it was the butt of the jokes. Yeah, it was the butt of the yeah. joke for the day. And look, it's a wedding that people won't forget for, you know, not just that reason alone. Like that's, that's just one big reason that it will, it'll, it'll stand out or whatever. But Jenny Mac, um, I tell you, there's 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 women out there now that would just cancel the whole thing, but but for 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 going along with it and seeing the lighter side of it as well, because like for a lot of people that could ruin the whole thing. You know what I mean? But not not oh, human yeah. fairness. Well, no, I did have my little meltdown when the doctors told me that that to rebreak. I was thinking of the honeymoon because we didn't get to travel on our honeymoon. That I wasn't allowed to do a long haul flight in plaster, so we had to cancel the honeymoon, uh, and that was it. Like so that you know, especially when I had done so much warning on Brian. Uh, be careful yeah. now and don't don't have a black eye or anything. It was a good joke then, you see, during the speeches. But you did get to have your honeymoon eventually at some stage. Mm, we'll pass on that one. <laughs> ah, I tell you, when this COVID is over now, we're, we're only about 14 or 15 years late. <laughs> but, uh, Jenny, yeah. Okay, we'll move on, Neve. We'll move on. Because uh, I, I could end up in Plaster Paris if I keep digging. Um, so, like, I suppose... We still have more of a we still have more of a journey when it comes to the club stuff because you had kind of retired for want of a better phrase and then you came out of retirement and uh, another Leinster final. Well, I had I would have given up football because I went and I was lucky enough to have three beautiful little girls and the girls were all kind of born on top of one another so I would have had three just a tree you know under three so I was kind of very busy at home and to get to a match was nearly a, an ordeal as it was so i decided then in 2012 that i'd go back just for peace of mind and to get out and that i'd go back and just do a bit of training with the girls um in the fit no stage was i going to be playing football like and the girls went on and they won the county final and i wasn't near them but we had a small panel that year uh, i think there was a panel of 21 or two and i know we got four or five serious injuries at the time, like girls that were gone, gone. And you knew you were watching them. You were saying, oh my God, she's gone, she's gone. And they got through the club championships. We just seemed to pick up injury after injury going through the club championships. 
And then we got to play Thomas Davids up in Dublin in the Leinster final. And that day, Christy said to me, Neve, you may talk out. He said, we just need the numbers just in case that happens. And I said, okay, fair enough. And then that day of the match, Christy said to me, Neve, you're going to have to play. And I like, I was looking at him going, you can't be serious. like." And I never forget it because Christine McGinty, she would have played senior football for Dublin for years. Christine was also playing that day. The two of us kind of came around the corner and looked at one another, tugged out, and we just burst out laughing because we would have been of the same age group. And Christine was kind of laughing that I was still playing and that she was still playing. But Thomas Davis that day were outstanding. They they mopped the floor with us. But they did go on and win the All-Ireland after. Um, but, yeah, the, the club got to another Leinster final and they're an amazing bunch of girls. Like, that club exceeded every expectation that was put in front of them and every challenge that Christy set for the girls, they took it on. And Christy and Carmel were a great bunch to be overs because Carmel was very steady and kept us all together and kept the girls highly motivated. And Christy was very good tactically and on the field. And they were a great blend of management. And Carmel would have had three daughters playing on the team as well. So it was real family effort. Christy's wife, Jen, uh, who we lost last year, she was playing in goal. And it was just a big family. Like there was a, such a group of sisters. Like there was the Brooks sisters, there was Mary and Sonia. There was the Dobbs sisters. We had the Kinchless sisters. And the Kane sisters and the Meany sisters, and the whole team was nearly made up of, of relations and sisters or siblings. Like, so they die for one another on the field, in fairness. And that's what local football is, and that's what club football is. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And it's kind of a thing where I'm not quite sure we get that level of um, siblings on the field to play because there was times where you'd have three and four. Um, playing per family and I don't know if it's, that's going to be an ongoing thing and now you, you mentioned your three daughters so it's very likely that that could happen in your case but the large families in general aren't like what they were years ago the average you know um next generation I suppose is two or three kids whereas before in some families you could have six seven or eight children yeah uh, well I know when we were playing say when I was playing county football we would have had the Griffin sisters Myra and Rena. We had the Brennan sisters, Anne, Kathleen, and Margaret. And then we would have Geraldine, Mar, and Laura Bulger. They would have been sisters. We had the McGraths, Dory, Mary, and Martina. They were all sisters. We had Laura Walker, Neve, and Brenda. We have, they were three sisters, the Walkers. We had two Mullinses, Lee and Donna. And, and you had me, Dan, and Veronica was in on the panel as well. Like that, The county panel carried on at that time as well, where we're all siblings too playing. Yeah, it's mad stuff. Like, and I suppose you know. Hopefully, we we do see that because it is it is special. The generational thing is is cool when you think about it. Like, and as you mentioned there, you named out probably four or five families, and there's a whole team made out of four or five families, be it club yeah. or be it county. And okay, it is like that to an extent with some clubs still, but um, there is there is a kind of a change. And obviously, I think one of the reasons for that as well personally is because maybe going back a couple of generations, the opportunity to actually go abroad or to even go outside your county, I won't say it wasn't there, but there wasn't as many taking it. Whereas now you have people dispersed everywhere. So that possibly could be a bit of a reason for it also. Yeah, and like you take even our own local village, there's so many new people have to move in into the village. 
with the two new housing estates and it's the same in every local village every rural area with the new housing estates coming in that that generation of families they're still there and they're probably smaller but most of the girls probably would have moved I, there's not too many of us still around Fenna do you know what I mean there's a handful of us that you would have dispersed married in different areas and stuff like that um over the years but Fenna is still home and like when I say I'm going home I'm going to Fenna yeah uh, you know what I mean and it will always be when I say I'm going home it's it's my home my Fenna it's Fenna it's where I'm heading yeah and that'll never change no with the club then when is that when you actually finally did finish up and you went back into retirement or well I was that day no because that day I remember poor Granny was fear sick that day and couldn't play like and we found out later on that Granny had a little baby five months later. Jack Murphy was the reason why poor Granny couldn't feel out. And that's why I had to play that day. So, but I, yes, no, I never feel the back out again. And I didn't actually even take a risk. I didn't go back training with them. So I made yeah. sure that I wasn't going to be playing again yet. Because yeah, if you did go back training, that was, to be honest <laughs> with you now, it was always going to end up that you were going to be playing. Like, I know you said you were, yeah. you got to the county final or whatever, and, but it was always going to end up that you were playing at some stage. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was, it really, actually, the way it worked out was true injury. Unfortunately, the club didn't have the numbers or yeah. otherwise, you know, I just wasn't fit enough. I wasn't up to club standard. Even at that stage, I wasn't even fit. I wouldn't make the club team if it had been normal circumstances. I was only back training after having the girls. Like, Well, for one that, you know, apparently wasn't fit, you didn't, you didn't gone too badly in fairness to you. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, we, we've a good bit to go through as well in terms of the, the county and we, you're coaching to, to go into as well. But take us all the way back to getting the first call up with the county then. How old were you at the time and who was involved, et cetera, et cetera? Right. Well, I would have been in my 20s. I'd say in my early 20s. Again, I got called into the county. Christy Hockney would have been over the county team at that stage. Uh, we would have been playing club football in Carlo at that stage so we got called into the county and I remember when I went into the county I was actually the only girl outside of O'Loughlin I think on the team maybe right. it might have been one or two others but I don't I think the bulk of the team was the O'Loughlin girls because they were just so strong at that stage and the team that had that I was so lucky I joined a team that was building coming to a kind of fruitfulness uh, mm -hmm. They had won the league, come out of Division 2 of the league, so they were going in. I kind of sat on the county panel maybe for a year. I just got injured, silly, picked up a silly little injury and got injured and kind of didn't make it to the bench, to the actual panel, I'd say, for maybe two years when after I joined the county. Mm -hmm. So um, the county had had great wins in the league and had started to build up to that junior team that won the first junior um the first junior title like the first Leinster. Yeah and that first Leinster was ninety-five I think yeah five yeah ninety-five um we played Dublin that day in, in Dr. Cullen Park. Oh, we were blessed because all Leinster finals were in Dr. Cullen Park regardless of who was playing in them. So it was great to get into Dr. Cullen Park and play locally in a Leinster final. Um, I remember Dublin came out onto the pitch that day for the warm-up and we done our warm-up, our usual few stretches and our carry-on, but theirs was a military set. We were like going, oh my God, 
look at this for a warm-up. And the whole lot of us were kind of, you were, we were intimidated by the warm-up. But then when they came onto the field, um, we actually played really well and won well. Do you know what I mean? So they were fully kitted from head to toe coming out. And it just goes to show that little things make you on edge. I was always a very nervous player. I would put terrible pressure on myself before games. Um, it was up to the older girls in the club uh, in the club and in the county that used to help me get through it. I put fierce pressure on myself for the week, building up to matches, especially big games. And I'd have myself really sick in the dressing room. So it'd be so important to get a ball to me early in a game to help me settle. And the girls would have known that and they'd try to get the ball into you as quick as they could. And they'd try to get me out of the dressing room because I'd be making the rest of the squad nervous. Like. Would you be physically <laughs> sick, like, yeah? I would, from Thursday. Yeah, I was desperate, desperately bad. I, I just... You know, kids dream about monsters. I dream about missing a 14-yard free at the last kick of a game. Like, uh, You just put silly kind of pressure on yourself. I know the club teams and the county teams now are better equipped because there's more education now around and they all have the... Uh, they're just better equipped. They have all the helpers, the different aspects of county training now. There's six or seven involved in county training now. Do you know what I mean? Where Christy was involved with us and we'd done the running and everything. There was no... Uh, background team to deal with all the other issues. It was just everybody out in the field trained hard. Um, we were very fit. I happened to be so lucky because I hit with a group of girls, both club and county, that had the same goals. All the girls were 100% invested. They were invested in training uh, and in one another, which was great to see, like, there's great camaraderie. The girls all got on to well. My best friends are girls that I played football with all my life. Um, and it was brought through. We trained really hard. Like uh, We trained so hard in the mornings. Christy was big into fitness training. So there'd be lots of runs, long runs and stuff in our training and stuff. Where training has completely changed now towards what we would have done on the field. Like, hmm and just to go back to the whole nervous thing and everything before the game, it didn't affect you when you're out in the field because you always performed. So, like, a lot of people are affected different ways before matches. As you say, in some cases, you're not the first person that's told me that they've been physically sick. A lot of people will be very, very nervous. And unfortunately, sometimes it can get to people and they don't perform. So how did you not let that affect you, even though you were physically sick? Because that's obviously taken a lot out of you in terms of energy as well. And probably not sleeping for a couple of nights. As you say, you're thinking about the game. You have the game played probably 100 times before you go out and play it. But yet you still went out and played well. So how did that work like? I was blessed with the girls. The girls knew I suffered with nerves around uh, and they would, and, and even the trainers like uh, would have known I suffered badly with the nerves. But the girls would get a ball to me as quick as they could because they know the longer the game went on when I didn't touch a ball, the worse I would get. You know, so the girls knew get a ball in quick to Neve and just get her to settle. Can I just ask what the exact fear might have been? Was it just the fact that you were afraid of playing bad? Was it yeah. the fact that someone no. was looking at you? You know, what was what was the thing that you do something? You um, I mean? Well, there was there was no fear of anybody looking at you because the ladies' football was so badly supported. There'd be only your family uh, and close relations sitting in the stand, like in the dugout. You'd hear the echo all around the field. It was underperforming and letting the team down. Uh, and, you know, the psychiatrists and all working with teams now, 
sports management and everything now to deal with all that stuff. But it was more the work and effort that had went into getting us to Leinster finals. And you didn't want to be the one to miss the score that could have won the match. Uh, and it was just, I put the pressure on myself. Nobody put the pressure on me. You were still able to channel it though correctly, which is the most important thing when it came to it. Um, sometimes, oh, sometimes I did, and more times, like I had howlers where I was just hoping that the referee would blow the whistle or that I'd be taken off. There's days, there's days you can go out and have great games, and you prepare the same way. And there's days that just nothing goes right for you. You meet a full back or or someone that's well able for you. You can't win a ball, the ball, you can't even judge the bounce of the ball. And nobody plans those days. Every player has experienced those days. And to get that day on a big day is so bad. It's like a disaster because you're only as good as your last game. But if you can't perform on the big days, then you have problems. And it was that extra pressure, knowing that the team needed you and that you had to perform. But like we had such a great team, like, I wasn't the scoring forward for the county. We had Kathleen Brennan and Marion Ingram and Geraldine Marr clocking up fierce scores through games. We had them coming through midfield, Christine Dunn. So that pressure for me to score wasn't uh, there. It was more perform on the day to be up to standard with the rest of the girls. It wasn't like I was the one who had to score. Yeah. And do you think that has stood to you now as a coach? Do you see yourself in someone else in terms of you see that they're a bit nervous they're a bit apprehensive and are you now able to reassure them now that you've obviously been there you've done that do you have the skills and techniques to actually maybe calm that person and make sure they do perform because you've been through it yourself yeah well everybody deals with uh, stress different like some girls listen to music now going into training sessions you see them relaxing going in and more girls go for a light jog training session beforehand to relax but any of the younger kids that you see them coming through they'd be nervous in the dressing room you'd hear the cogs tipping off the ground the leg doing 100 mile an hour and you'd be going you're going to be grand but like the only advice I give for the younger players is believe in yourself and, and like all the training that you've done and everybody around you. It's not just you on the field. And like that's where my security was. I had girls all around me, natural ability, and that team was amazing. Like they were so highly skilled that that girls team that we were on. Back then in ladies football, there was only junior and senior. There was no intermediate. So really in... In Leinster, there was kind of maybe two or three senior teams and everybody else was kind of junior. Uh, Leash were the kingpins of football at the time. Leash, Monaghan and Waterford were kind of the three top ladies football teams in Ireland at the time. And we would have been, I'd seen the Carter girls got picked for the interprovincials. Like we would have, and any of the Carter girls who got to play would match any of the senior players. Like they were a really talented bunch of girls. They didn't lack ability when we played senior girls, we would have got practice matches against senior clubs in Wexford and in Leash, and our girls would have matched them. You know, the the ability in the Carroll squad and the depth and the panel, we had a great panel, which pushed everybody on the field. And that was another anxiety level then on the field, because you knew, like, if you were really bad, that you get 10 minutes and you'd be taken off. There was someone waiting to take your spot, like. But you had the work done. That's the thing, like, and that's the big reassurance. When you have the work done, um, you know, and you spoke about, you know, 
thinking about missing a 14 yard free you could think about putting it over as well just as easy you know oh yeah 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 i know that's, but that's like, little things you kind of have to tell yourself <laughs> isn't it yeah look everything has changed now and the mindset has changed and it's been taught from a young age it's mm-hmm. not like years ago where it was kind of you you came out your work you went to match there was none of this pre-match pre- preparation and stuff. Whereas now there's a lot more known about coaching. There's a lot more known about, and look, I put the pressure on myself. It wasn't like I had a trainer putting it on me or I had teammates putting pressure on me. It was it was myself who put the pressure on me. And I don't know mm. at club level as well as county level. like. Mm. But look, as we said, I'm going to finish on this one. Like you did channel it correctly and you did perform, which was the most important thing. Um, the county side then, so like you have a couple of Leinster medals then and we have a few, you know, league final appearances, some good, some not so good. And you were captain one of those years as well. Yeah, we look at, as I, I know, I keep saying this and referring to it, both club and county, I came through with amazing bunch of players. So I was blessed that we went to the Leinster Finals and we performed in the Leinster Finals. But we got to Leinster Finals and we got beaten in them. Like, mm-hmm. there was one of the years there before we won, we had allowed, we were after doing a great year, we had beaten most of our opponents well coming mm-hmm. through the whole year. And then we met Loud in the Leinster Final and the beaters, and we were like shell-shocked, like, because we'd done the work, we'd done the preparation. Just on the day as a unit, we just didn't perform to the best of our ability, like. And then we came back and we... We played that Dublin team, like, and we beat them, and that was a huge boost for us. And like, we went on to the All Ireland semi-finals and quarter, or the quarterfinals and semi-finals, and we met Tyrone, unfortunately, and they gave us a good hockey in on that day that we played them in the first time. And we came back and we rebuilt again. And in '99, we hit another Leinster final. And we won again. We were playing Kildare in that Leinster final. And I remember that year we had a great campaign from the league. We had a great campaign in the championship. And Kildare would have been heavily fancied in that game. But we didn't We didn't actually worry about Kildare that day because we'd so much done ourselves. And we kind of said, we just get out now and play our own game. And Brendan Hayden was training us that year. Um, Brendan was with us, James Merlin and Marianne Dunn. And we... Um, we prepared really well again and do you know the belief was just in the girls and on the day we went out and we had a cracking game everybody played to the best of their ability nobody nobody lost their position you know there was nobody everybody won their own position on the day and from one to 15 performed and we won well on the day like your fondest day playing for the county then my fondest day playing for the camp. I actually really enjoyed that Leinster final because we got ahead early in the game. So that pressure wasn't there. So you enjoyed the game. And uh, I picked up uh, player of the match that day as well. I, I really enjoyed that day. Uh, I think we were local again. We were in Dr. Cullen Park. Uh, so we were home. And it's great to be at home and play well at home. Um. God knows we often had howlers at home, but it's it's so nice to play at home and have your family all there and play well in your own county grounds. It's a great yeah. honour, yeah, to win locally, like. Yeah, absolutely. And, do you know, I suppose when we do this podcast, we always ask our guests to uh, pick a, a 15, their best 15, and um, you have to put yourself into that as well. And we'll come to it in a couple of moments' time. We do have a few 
I won't say they're all funny ones. We a few notable ones to to, to go through. Um, you mentioned John McDermott and the Royal Hotel, obviously synonymous with as you know as owner at the time. And uh, you ended up, you were manager there. You ended up going to a match on the QT, and uh, next thing, Mister McDermott, I think, sits down beside you or something along those lines. Yeah, well, look, every Sunday we were. The GA, the GA Hope was the Royal Hotel. We had great crack in it, and most of the punters came into it were all GA orientated. Uh, Johnny Wayne and the whole lot, and Enda Smith, loads of the older men came in, and we had great crack. But at the time, Veronica was working in it, and she was going out with Sean Kavanagh. She married him since my sister, and Maria was working in it, Maria Hennessy, and she married Rooster Hayden uh, afterwards. And we all wanted to get out to the games. This was the biggest problem. Everybody wants to go to the matches. But one day, I, John McDermott had came in and he, he'd usually be gone on to the games and he came in and he said, hope everything is okay now and I'll see you later on. And I was, yeah, everything's fine, no problem. John went out one door and I went out the other door. And my sister Siobhan was waiting in the car park. And um, of course, we all loaded up and went off to the match. And lo and behold, it was in Port Leash. And we had only sat down when, I'll never forget, this little young lad, I wasn't even minding because we were watching the game, said the story and he said it besides. And I said, oh, your grand. And I turned and it was Sean McDermott, John's son. And then there was Mr. McDermott, as we used to call him. And I remember just going, oh, my God. And we just burst out laughing. And just towards the end of the game, I remember saying, Siobhan, get up, come on, we'll go watch the last two minutes down at the gate so I can get out of here fairly fast. And I remember coming back to the Royal and I ran in the door and I kind of, please tell me nothing went wrong. And the girls were like, no, everything's fine. There's no problems. But John McDermott, the true gentleman that he always was anyway, came in and he just said, how's everything in here? And I said, Great, not a bother. And he says, good. But the following two weeks after then, there was another championship match. And John came in and he says, uh, I'm going to the game. Do you need a lift? And then I kind of said, no, you're okay. I'm waiting for me outside. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just brushed off. <laughs> you obviously had a very good relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, we did. We had a great relationship. And it was great for me playing football because John McDermott invested in the team. And he, he sponsored the team. And all the Leinster meetings used to be there all the teams used to come back and eat in the royal board codes men's and women's like and he was very invested in sport and in the sports club in carlo which made a great environment for anybody who was in sport because you got the leeway to get training and stuff yeah and was very involved when the blues won that leinster you know oh yeah it was instrumental yeah mm-hmm. yeah he, so. he was a big ga man now every every club he'd help anybody like yeah um your dad presented you with a trophy at one stage. Talk mm-hmm. to us about that. But it wasn't really a trophy, but it was... Dad used to go to Crook Park every Sunday during the summer, regardless of what code was on. He'd, he'd be up in Crook Park. But in latter years, he kind of wasn't confident in driving up himself. And he used to go with Shawnee Brennan and Brendan Hayden. And uh, he went up to Dublin one day, but he got this clock made. In It was obviously on display somewhere that they would have seen it anyway with the Carlo colours on it and uh, he got an inscription in it, Leinster champion Neve Dobbs go forward like on it and dad wouldn't have been someone to come down and be telling you you're great the whole time like you know he'd be, he'd keep you level and he'd never say much about the games you know and I remember he came down and he says here I, I, I got you that and I remember when I opened it it was kind of like the pack on the back you know, it was like, well done, you. And I remember saying, oh, my God, like, this was a major thing for Dad to do and, and to get and bring down to me. And I cherish it. So I do. 
Yeah, because as you were saying to me previously, like he wouldn't have been the type of guy that would show emotion or whatever. So when this happened, this obviously meant the world to you, like you know. Yeah, it was a huge. Well, it was a huge thing to me because it was a huge statement from a dad, like, and I, I cherish it. I have it in my home, and I cherish it. And all the girls know why I have it and why where it came from, like. Now there was another award he did present you with as well because Dobbs Oil obviously sponsored um, what the awards in Carlo and uh, you got Player of the Year. Did he present you with that one as well? Yeah, you see, Dad, uh, he he, it was the Sports Star Awards and and the we ended up Dobbs Oil just ended up sponsoring the ladies' football one, uh, so Dad would have to present the trophies. And in latter years now, Veronica go present to her Siobhan or me, whoever's around, like, but. Yeah, there was fierce skipping because, like, you're getting the award because your dad sponsors it, you know. <laughs> there was a load of banter going on in the background, like. They were shouting fix or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You probably have that photo somewhere as well. There's a couple of photos. If we didn't have them rooted out, actually, we could have showcased one or two of them. Um, would have been would have been good to have. But, um, yeah, so that's that's that one. Um, the car sickness thing going to games. Talk to us about that. Or Jeep sickness, I should say, maybe. Do we have a right. mattress in the back of a Jeep at one stage? Yeah, I I was a terrible bad traveller and still am to this day a really bad traveller. But and with working in the Royal too, you'd be coming out all hours of the night out of work and out and you'd be wrecked tired and when we'd be travelling away to games, long games, I'd usually try to get up the night before and we'd stay in a hotel, maybe myself and Siobhan or a bed and breakfast or something. My sister Siobhan used to be the taxi. And I try to get into the back. We'd have a mattress made or a sleeping bag or something in the back of Daddy's Jeep. It was a two-seater Jeep. Mm-hmm. And so I could go asleep so I wouldn't feel sick. So I'd get into the back and go asleep. And Siobhan travelled the length and breadth of the country to the games. And I'd be in the back of the car fast asleep. And we'd get to wherever we're getting. Because uh, I'd be so tired as well. But then when I started driving to local games and stuff. And then we just started. Once I was driving, I was okay. Uh, I didn't get sick when I was driving, but we had a car then going to the county games and it was called the pukey car because myself and Maggie Burr, Margaret Birmingham and Jenny, poor Jenny Kelly, we were all really bad travellers. So we would travel on our own in the car behind the bus or just in front of the team bus and we got reference to the pukey car like... <laughs> It was like a Dublin bus up there. It was a stop every two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, it was desperate, like, so. Um, but we were just, we could stop then on the way ourselves, like, you know, instead of being on the team bus and everybody affected by us, like. Yeah. After some of those victories and, indeed, defeats, there was a few memorable nights uh, in the company of Roisin Dove as well. Look, we trained hard and the girls, we partied hard. We had great fun. We, we were a great bunch of girls because we, we always stayed together, which was great. Uh, we used to get a taxi out of Carlo, the bus, the minibus, and we'd go out to Roisin Dove and the Fighting Cocks. Uh, they used to be playing there in, in the evenings in the Fighting Cocks and all the girls would go out there for a few hours and then we'd come back into town together. And... It was a great camaraderie because you come back into town then and some of the lads' teams would have been playing, like the hurlers or the footballers would have been playing, and we all all squads would have met up. Mm-hmm. And we would have dealt with the woes and the celebrations or whatever it would have been on the night. Um, the, we were well mixed with one another. We all knew one another really well, and everybody respected one another's code. Like The boys and the men's teams respected the girls' code like, and showed that respect to the girls' squads. like. Yeah, so good times. Yeah, we had great. Look at we have great times, and no, it's great because there was none of these phones, so there's no evidence <laughs> flying around the next morning. You know, we all had a good fun. 
good probably a good yeah. thing Neve. probably yeah, a good thing probably um, is <laughs> um right so like just from before we go on to the team then just from a coaching point of view um i'm interested in that because you started doing your coaching badges or whatever back in 1998 with turtle o'brien i think was was there as well and uh, um yeah from, a, from an early me. age yeah. one i was going to say from an early age then you know you're very interested in in the coaching and you had a bit of forward thinking about you and not only that you you took on an under 14 lads county team as well which was a big enough thing like um i, I think how it came across was because all these coaching badges had started to come into ga and you had to get your coaching badges if you wanted to coach but we had done our fundamentals at the time our foundation courses and myself and Turlock o'brien and tommy hogan from Airog, the three of us traveled down to wexford damien fitzhenry's club uh, to do our badges because there, were, there wasn't a course in Carroll at the time. So we went down and we got our coaching badges. But then the following year, I think you had to have your coaching badges to train inter-county teams. And I remember um, I was approached to take on the county under 14 boys. And um, I would have trained our own code, the girls under 14s and that for years. Uh, and loved that. I liked that age group. But I remember the first day training all these young lads coming in uh, to training and the first experience the county on the 14 team and there was a girl standing there <laughs> with a whistle and I remember some of the young lads just looking kind of going are you serious <laughs> now James Kinsley would have been from my own club at home he would have been one of the one of the guys and a few a few of the other I'm not going to name them a few prominent Carla players at the moment would have been on that under 14 team uh, but after I'd say one or two sessions they knew that there was no mess and, and in fairness they fully committed and there wasn't a problem i think it was more the older generation had a problem now than the younger generation yeah so you know it's just funny looks were you nervous in trying even though they're only 14 trying to win them over as well because at that time you know a girl going in taking over a county team like that wasn't the easiest thing to do like so did you have much hassle in trying to get them to cooperate we'll, we'll say no, but I, I tell you where the problem probably came in more so was during the games. Uh, you'd have the games, you pick the team, and then the selectors would talk, and the kind of the boys, the men were more listened to, maybe than were kind of you know. I'd say, I'd say the fathers of the kids and the older people, the children weren't, the boys weren't too bad. They got after a day or two with me, we we got on the finest. There wasn't a problem like and in fairness the, the kids got in and trained really hard and i was blessed there was no real messers on the team which could have happened and they were really good like but i'd say it was more so the selecting selectors that they would have listened to you would have found their problem there more so yeah but in the training session itself it wasn't an issue mm -hmm. and you went on to coach a good bit since you've been involved in teams that you know you mentioned Lancer Finals as a player. You're involved there as a, a mentor as well. Uh, yeah, I would have went and trained the regional college girls then for two years. We would have missed the season because of the foot and mouth came in. So we must we would have missed the season there. We would have trained and kind of missed all the competitive games. And then I, I kind of left it then and came back to it then in 2007. I had finished playing county football and... George, uh, George Coleman and Paul Canaan were in with the county guards and George had asked me would I come in with them 
And I came in with them that year and they went on and won a Leinster final that year, which was great. Then again, like the county girls went and won. And then I kind of left it again and I came back in then with Bart Gilmartin in 2018 and Finney Lamb, Bernie Hickey. And we came back in with the girls. That's the last coaching that I would have done. I, I love coaching. I love the promotion of ladies football. I love the development of ladies football. And I just love football. I love being involved in football. End of end of story, says you. So yeah, you know, with the you're obviously involved. I think now on the Leinster Ladies Board as well. Um, do you ever envisage a thing where we have Camogie Ladies Football and the GA all under that one umbrella? Because in in recent years, it's still happening where there's fixture clashes and great dual players can't be accommodated. Like, it seems a no-brainer for me. What's your own stance on it? I feel so sorry for the dual players because they're very talented, in both in both coats, in men's and, and, and ladies' football. And I can't understand how they can't work together. I just feel for the player because you have a window of your life where you're able to do this. And I think if they put their heads together and work together and arrange training sessions like where the player is not burnt out trying to keep both set coaches happy and trying to keep both codes happy, that if it all came under the umbrella, it might be a better help for dual players. But at the moment, it's not really suiting dual players and, and they're not making it suit dual players. And it's such a pity because it's a gift to be a dual player and you should be allowed showcasing both codes. Would it help under the one umbrella or would you still have the kind of pig-headedness on both sides for want of a better expression well i'd love to think if it went in under the one umbrella that it would help but i just think the mindset uh you even see it to get pitches for training sessions do you know to be allocated playing time on fields it's still a problem to be guaranteed your training field even for inter-county footballers or or, or commodity players you know what i mean yeah I think there needs to be an overall look at it. Um, it is getting a lot better. I'm actually, I was a little bit shocked this year when I came back involved with the county that the county ladies finals weren't in Dr. Cullen Park because that used to be the showcase of ladies football. It hadn't been for the last few years. And I, I'm just hoping that they're back in again now this year because it's every kid's dream regardless of whether you're a boy or a girl. When you're a small child going to matches, going to Dr. Cullen Park, that's where you want to play. Mm-hmm. You want show- to play in Dr. Cullen Park. Yeah. It was the showcase of Leinster football, as yes. I just to point out, not just. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. I think it's the least that those players deserve is the opportunity yes. to actually play. Yeah. I, 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 do you know, look, it's, you could argue about it all day, every day, fixtures, clashes, this, that, and the other. But I actually think if you sit down together, I know in other counties they've sat down together and it's not an issue. The girls are allocated their pitches for training. The men's are allocated theirs. Both codes, the four codes have training areas, training grounds, and it all works. But I think everybody needs to sit down together and everybody needs to give and take. You know, it's give and take. We can't go in as a ladies football and say, well, we want and the camogie want and the men's football in Ireland. Everybody needs to give and take. And, and you know what? Life is short. The players have that window of opportunity in their lives when they get to play and they don't need the politics. They just want to play. And I think exactly. they should be like play. Yeah. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So let's go to the part of the programme which uh, provides the most headaches. Um, that's obviously to pick your, your best 15 and you have to obviously include yourself. 
who did you go with and why? And obviously, I know you did have a, a couple of headaches in trying to do this, so we will give you the honour of those notable mentions as well to try ease your woes. I have to tell you, this has been an absolute nightmare because, as I said during the interview, I was blessed to be between really good teams. And as a result, I could pick two players, genuinely, for each position, without a doubt. And I would field out in that team with absolutely no problems. Um, it's an absolute nightmare. But the team that I've gone with, and I know I'm, I'm leaving out girls that 100% should be on this because they deserve to be on it. Uh, I've gone with Jenny Kelly in goal. Now, Jenny was a stalwart for Carla football and what club football, she would have played club football with me and we um, we lost Jenny last year uh, to a short battle with cancer and a huge void in our club, huge void in the county. Uh, I just don't think this interview can pass without actually having a comment on Jen. Mm -hmm. Jen would have given her life to football in Carlo. Uh, she gave her life to her club and there was no doubt in her mind. Now, we lost Sharon Murphy too, who was an intercounty footballer in Carlo as well, uh, you know, last year. Jen was a personal friend of mine. Uh, Sharon I would play county football with as well, and a horrendous loss as well to Sharon's family and her local community. Um, I would have lost touch with Sharon through the years, but just mark it as well. Jen died on the 20th of July, and it was a fierce knock personally. We'd done the line together in Crook Park. We done everything together. We've done the coaching, underage, everything together. So I just can't pass the interview without yeah. giving Janet and our heads up, like. Absolutely. Um, a great friend of yours and, as well. Yeah, Absolutely. and her and so family. Like. And amazing, like Christy trained us for years. Kellyanne is amazing. The kids, we just, the, the whole Kelly family, like it's just, she's a horrendous loss to our club, to me personally, and her family, obviously. Um, but I gave Jen number one jersey. She earned it. She played club and county for Dunkish years there. But in, in, in saying that now, Helen and Lily were there as well. But I give Jen the nod on that one, uh, the number one for Carlo. Then the nightmare begins because uh, you could pick a number of girls for the back position. I went with Mary McGrath for fullback from Old Auckland because... Mm -hmm. Simple reason, I dreaded Mark and Mar Mary in training. Mary was just phenomenal. Strength, upper body strength. She just could clear a ball and she, she seen nothing on either ball. She was very, very strong. Um, I went for Laura Curry, or Laura Walker in the corner, gifted football. Laura was, you couldn't, I couldn't pick a team without her. She played for O'Hanrahan's, absolute gifted back. Um, was on an interprovincial team with me. She just was an amazing all-rounder player, an absolute athlete. And the other cornerback then, you know, Maggie Dial, Joanne are there as well. But I gave it to Maggie Burr, Margaret Birmingham, because she was so tough and and dogged as well in the back line. Like I remember Mar Maggie getting a belt in the Leinster final and she couldn't remember three quarters of the game. She had a stormer, but just after the game, she couldn't remember it. She got a terrible clash of heads during the game. So then we move on to the half back line. Um, and here again, 
Ashley Nolan could take a position there, Mairead Hogan, uh, Pamela Donoghue, Rena Griffin, the Griffin sisters, Myra. It's just so hard. I've went with Ashley Nolan on a half-back line, uh, Laura Corrigan centre-back, Anne Sullivan could have been playing there either, or Dory McGrath. Uh, Pam Donoghue, then I've given it to on number seven. Um, again, a number of the girls could have got that jersey as well. And then midfield now didn't cause me too many problems, I have to say. Uh, it was out and out Christine Dunn and Fiona Kelly. Um, Katrina Corkum from our club could have fitted in there as well. Uh, but Christina and Fiona were amazing in midfield, won all the titles up along. Uh, Christine was predominant going forward. She was a great scorer, great carrier of a ball. Uh, Fiona Kelly, to me, didn't win and get enough recognition that she should have got, I felt, in ladies' football. She was phenomenal. She used to cover every blade of grass. She'd be the girl that would be down, taking the ball off the goalie, giving it to the halfback line, collecting it again in midfield and giving it into the forwards. Her work rate was phenomenal on the field. Uh, then we come on to the half forward line. Again, I've given it to Geraldine Marr, but Catherine Dempsey, Pamela Dowling deserves it. Catherine, Dem Catherine Dempsey deserves it. I give it to Geraldine because apart from being a great player, Geraldine was a phenomenal leader on the field. Uh, Geraldine would have given a talk to us. She was captain one year going out onto the county field and the hair stood on the back of my neck in the dressing room. Uh, if you missed something, she was the one that came down and gave the thump on the back and told you, lift your head, let's go. Uh, she was just a great leader all over the field and she just pushed us all to be our best. Then we come to number 11, Kathleen Brennan. No doubt in my mind, Kathleen Brennan would take the number 11 jersey. I have always said it, anything that I would have won in my county career, I would owe it to Kathleen Brennan because Kathleen was phenomenal. She would win the ball, take on her own player and make mine choose between me and her. And usually then I'd have the easier job to finish off the score. Kathleen would have done the work. Outstanding player. But a lot of these girls were dual players. Kathleen was a camogie player, Geraldine was a camogie player, you know, um, all over basketball players, she was just a genuine all-star as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. um, number 12, then I give it to Mags Kavanagh, Dermody. She would have been Mags Dermody, married Mags Kavanagh. Now, Kelly Dalton, again, could have taken this for our club. Um, Mags was physically such a strong girl. Um, she was European champion kickboxer when she was playing with us. So that will tell you the strength and the ability in Mags was unreal. Like she was a great carrier of a ball. Doggett could win any ball in the air or on the ground, a great passer of a ball. <laughs> then we go into corner forward. I've given Marion Ingram the number the number 13 jersey because Marion was a phenomenal scorer. And if you look back on any of the Carlo score sheets, Marion will be top scorer nearly in every game. Her free-taking abilities off the ground and out of her hands were unbelievable. Like, uh, So Marion gets that. I put myself in full forward 
because you told me to. <laughs> and People, then all the guests love doing that, you see. <laughs> and then at the corner forward now, again, absolute nightmare. Liam Mullins could have been there. Do you know what I mean? Any any of the forwards, you had Jordy Mar's sister Laura was outstanding in that position as well. Uh, like there's so many girls not getting mentioned here and every one of them would actually deserve it. Uh, my club girls at home, the forward line, Theresa Meany, any of them, and the county, like there's so every, we were pushed in training because of the sub bench was so strong. And that's why I feel so bad because we all would have been in and out of the panel in naming anybody, but I've given it to Eilish Meany, again, another brilliant free taker. She would have been another heir than most of that team. Most of that team is the older team that I would have played with. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I mentioned the centre back. I think I, I I went over it. It, it was actually Laura Corrigan I gave it to Anna Sullivan. I did Anna Sullivan, and then could have been there as well, uh, Dorian McGrath. But that's the fifteen I went with with a heavy heart because there's so many girls that deserve to be named that haven't been named. Hmm. It's tough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. I I think it's a horrible thing for you to do. In fairness. To anybody coming on the show. It's the same, it's the same for everyone. <laughs> but it's just so hard. And I think because I was so long knocking around that it's even harder because in each of the groups that I played with, you had girls well capable of taking those positions. Your sisters won't like you too much after that 15, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, Shibby used to play in the goal and Veronica used to play corner forward for our club and would have been with the panel that would have been on, with that Leinster panel with Brendan Hayden's team. Did you get that honour of mentioning that? I don't think you did. <laughs> Veronica, stop, scored forward. <laughs> did I recover there? No. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it's in the goal. <laughs> yeah, you would have got, you might have got away with that now if I hadn't pointed it out, but uh, there you go. So, sometimes we hang people out to dry on this show just for the crack. But, yeah, um, just for the fun of it. Just, just for the fun of it. Um, we're, we're getting near the tail end of it, uh, Neve. It's been wonderful talking to you. Um, just before we finish, I just have to mention a couple of things. Of course, the episode is brought to you in association with uh, Orthodontics at Carol Dental Centre, whose specialist orthodontist will deliver a personalised treatment plan to create the smile you deserve. Choose from fixed braces or Invisalign with easy, affordable payment plans to suit you. You can contact the reception team on 059-9188188 and they'll look after you, not just your teeth. Also, don't forget, you can, of course, um, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and uh, Apple and Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Left Wing Back. Neve, an absolute pleasure. We, we got through a hell of a lot in, in that last hour and 20 minutes. It's been great being having you on this programme. Was it six or seven county medals and a Leinster title, yeah? Um, yeah, six county medals and two, well, three, yeah. Club, club wise. Yeah, oh, one club, yeah. Yeah, and two Leinster with the county. Yeah. It's not bad going, is it? No, it's good. I, I was blessed, blessed with the group of girls I fell in with. Well, look, it's been great having you on. This, of course, is your time in the Gansey, and thanks for joining us here on the Left Wing Back podcast, all right? No problem. Listen, thanks a million.